Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning, Passion Life Church. How are you doing this morning? That's good. If you're new with us, welcome. Uh, it's okay to talk in church and it's okay to laugh in church. Uh, we think that there is joy in the presence of God. And uh, if you're not accustomed to it, this is not a quiet church. That's why we named it Passion Life Church, not Dull Life Church, Funeral Life Church, right? And so you may not be accustomed to people talking during the message and saying amen and say yes. And, and, uh, but uh, that's the kind of church that we are. We want you to be engaged. We want you to be, you know, if you engage, you're actually going to learn more. If you take notes, you'll learn more. And so we want you to be engaged because, you know, we shout for a lot of things. Guys will shout for football, right? Ladies may shout for some makeup, but you know what? God is more important than all of those things. And so we want to welcome you. And so when I talk to you, it's okay to talk back. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, we're in a series called Dreamers. And we really believe that God wants us to dream. And, you know, this isn't a, just a series that we kind of picked out of a hat to say, well, it'd be good to talk about that. I really believe that God wants our church to start dreaming about winning our community. Come on, about a new facility, right? A great, incredible facility that people can come. And all the set up and tear down people said... Amen. Amen. Right. A, a facility where kids can come and there's giant slides. Come on. Can we dream a little bit? And uh, a place where at night we can run leadership school for people who want to learn more about the ministry for worship and, and pastoring. Come on. I'm dreaming a little bit. And so I want you to dream too. What are you dreaming about? God wants us to dream and he wants us to dream because dreams are important to God. It's one of the ways that, that he will speak to you. He could speak to you in a dream and all throughout the Bible, you see it. People had visions, people had dreams and God wants us to dream. And you say, Pastor Phil, how do you know everybody should have a dream? Well, I know this, the Bible says without a vision, people perish. And do we believe that God wants us to perish? No, he doesn't. So you know what he's going to do? He's going to give you what you need so you don't perish. He's going to give you a, a vision. He's going to give you a dream. And really the dream is a preview of your destiny. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. You know, I, I love, I love what I do and I love what I do only because I see, get to see people's lives change. You know, in this series, I've had a couple people tell me even this last week, there was a guy here from Costa Rica and uh, he was visiting his brother, Ryan, who played the bass. And he said, after the service, he said, you know, today's message really caused me to think about my purpose because it's so easy to lose sight of our purpose. I've had somebody else tell me I went home and I started getting a piece of paper and started writing about what's my purpose because you know what? This is the reason why you're alive to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And when you hit that mark, you're going to be fulfilled. There's going to be energy in your life and motivation. And so God wants us to dream. And our theme scripture has been Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. And uh, look what God can do in our imagination. Look what he can do in the message translation. It says this, God can do anything. Does anybody believe that today? God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest. What does it say? In wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And, you know, if you have a dream, you're going to have an opportunity to be distracted. 
If you have a dream, there's always going to be temptation, different types of temptation to give up on that dream. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about today how we can win the battle of distraction. Let me say that again. I want to talk about today how we can win the battle of distraction and overcoming temptation. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Genesis chapter 39, verse 7. Genesis chapter 39, verse 7. We've been looking at this guy in the Bible named Joseph. That's kind of my style in terms of, yes, we have themes, but I get our themes from the word of God. And the reason why I picked Joseph and I felt like God wants us to focus on Joseph. Joseph is a young man who his dreams will come true despite every person that tried to make it not come true, despite every circumstances that came against him. He always rose to the top. How many of you believe the cream always rises to the top? Right. And so this guy at 17 has a world changing dream. He actually has two dreams and the dreams are that his family will bow down to him. But that's interesting because in the dynamic that he was living in at 17, his family was dysfunctional. His dad loved him more than all the other kids. And his brothers hated that. His brothers hated that he had a dream. His brothers hated that he told them the dream. And so he is uh, favored by his father, but just like us as children of God, you're favored by your father. And his father actually puts a robe of many colors on Joseph. And so Joseph's walking around looking like Elton John, come on somebody with the robe of many colors. It was a long robe, right? And, and, uh, history tells us it kind of went to your, your wrists and then down to your ankles. It meant that he wasn't going to work. And it distinguished him. And I just want to encourage you today. You know, God makes us unique and he distinguishes every single one of you. And you know, it's what distinguishes you that makes you different. It's what distinguishes you that makes you different. But because you're different, do you know that that sets you up to be disliked? But watch this. Do you know that what distinguishes you is also what will put you in demand? See, People are looking for something different. And Joseph's life, we see that he had favor on him and he was different, but it was that difference that put him in demand. That's what we're going to see in his life. He's going to be on demand. Pharaoh is going to call on him. Potiphar is going to call on him. And you see that in Joseph's life. And we've just been going through that. We've looked at how they took that coat off and they stripped him from the coat, but Joseph didn't let them strip him from, uh, let, let them strip the dream from him. They threw him in a pit. They wanted to kill him. And we said, don't quit in the pit. Do you remember that? Because the quit, the pit is not final, right? It's a pit stop. It should not be a pit stay. Come on, somebody. Don't rent a hotel room in the pit. Don't build a house in the pit, right? It's a pit stop. We're going to move through. Listen, it's not what you're going through. It's what you're going to. Let me say it again. It's not what you're going through. It's what you're going to. So you got to keep going through because I'm going to get there. And he had favor on his life. And last week we talked about favor is the difference maker. It's the grace of God that was on his life. And so everything that Joseph began to do, he began to prosper. But his brothers figured, let's not kill him. You know, when we can make some money off of him. And so they sold him and they sold him to some Ishmaelites that were going down to Egypt. 
And they sold him. And as they sold him, there was a guy in the crowd that saw the favor of God on Joseph as a slave. And the Bible says that God was with him even as a slave. I love that. I love how God defines prosperity, not about what you have, but whose you are. And you are his child and you have the ingredients to prosper because that's what his presence does in our life. And Potiphar, an ungodly man, saw in Joseph what his own family didn't see in him. And God will do that for you. God will have people in your future that have the capacity to bless you. And so Joseph was picked by Potiphar. And now we're going to pick up the story because everything that Joseph is doing, his hands are prospering. And the Bible says that the Lord, everything he does, the Lord was prospering. Uh, Joseph. Now listen to this and then we're going to move forward. I wanted just to do a little bit of a review to get us back on. It's a big story. I want to make sure those of you that are just joining us can kind of jump in. This is, uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. The Bible says that actually God blessed the house of Potiphar for Joseph's sake. Watch this. The favor that was on Joseph, the grace that was on Joseph blessed an ungodly man actually blessed his house and the house of an ungodly man was blessed for Joseph's sake. See, I say that to you because where you work right now, you may not like your boss and you're like, he is so ungodly. He is just so ungodly. Well, you need to be careful with your attitude because God can bless your whole business establishment because of the favor that's on your life. But that's not how we see things. We go to work and we're upset and we walk in and we had a bad week. And what'd you do? I went to church this weekend. What church did I do? Passion Life Church. Oh, good. Thanks for telling me because I ain't going to go to that church if you're walking in like that. Help me, Jesus. But see, we don't look at our lives that way. But you know what? Potiphar's whole house was blessed because of Joseph. Listen, your establishment of where you work is blessed because of the favor that's on your life. And let me just say this. Do you know that Joseph received the blessing that was on Potiphar's house? Since God blessed Potiphar's house because of Joseph, Joseph got blessed. And so our attitude, you need to understand that we walk in the favor of God. And so Joseph is doing what my pastor kind of calls Josephing. He's just being the Joseph, right? The favor, he's prospering. And we're gonna pick up the story because there's gonna be a distraction that comes into Joseph's life. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been distracted? Now, those of you that didn't say yes, you don't know you're being distracted. We all have it. They're everywhere. Temptation is everywhere. Have you found Genesis chapter 39, verse seven? Let's read. All right. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, who's his master's wife? This is Joseph. This is, I mean, Potiphar, right? His master's wife is Potiphar. I'm going to call her for the sake of today's message, Mrs. Potiphar. All right. Mrs. Potiphar cast, what does that say? Longing eyes that I'm going to refer to that a little bit later, longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little. She wasn't talking about that. And I don't think this morning I need to go into the Greek or Hebrew about what lie means with me. 
Do you want me to go there? We have children in the room. So she says, lie with me, verse eight, but he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in this house and he has committed all that he has in my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? Is that what he said? How can I do this great sin and sin against you, Mrs. Potiphar? Is that what he said? No. no. What did he say? He said, how can I do this great sin and sin against who? God. God. Verse 10. And it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. Anybody know some women that like to speak? Okay, She spoke to him day by day. Then he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Verse 11, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men in the house were inside. Ooh, this sounds like a plan. Verse 12, then she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But she didn't say it like that. That was me. She probably said, lie with me, please. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Lord, speak to us today. Help us, Lord, to overcome temptation and distraction so we can see the dreams that you have for our life come true. In Jesus' name. Something that we need to know is that when God calls you to greatness, there's always going to be opportunity for distraction. Whether that means circumstances will come into your life or people are going to come into your life. I was thinking about Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah wanted to build this great wall to help fortify the city of Jerusalem. And he was building the wall. He's up on top of the wall. And there were people that would try to get him down from the wall. And I love Nehemiah's response. He says, look, I'm not coming down from this wall. I'm about a great work. Can I ask you a question? Is your life about a great work? See, I want my life to be about a great work, not just work, but a great work. He says, my life is about a great work. How can I, why would I come down and talk to you? I don't recommend that you would text that to somebody because you probably get a bad emoji back. But because of how he saw himself and what he was doing, he refused to be distracted. You need to know that when Jesus was on the earth, the enemy came to Jesus to distract him, to tempt him in the wilderness. And he came to distract him. Why? Because Jesus was about a great work. He was going to go to the cross, right? He was going to die and he was going to rose again. But the enemy comes to distract us. Now, you need to understand that we are going to be tempted in different ways. What tempts me may not tempt you, right? I might be tempted by a donut. Come on, somebody. And I, I'm not looking at anybody that's eating one right now, but I'm just saying I may be tempted by a donut or you may be tempted by something else. We all have different temptations. And some of us, it can be we're tempted to quit. Some of us, it can be that we're just tempted not to do what God has called us to do. But here's what happens with Joseph. Joseph is getting hit on by a desperate housewife. Come on. This is the real housewives of Egypt happening right here in the Bible. Now, I want to say something because 
I, I, I'm fascinated with people. I think you know that. I, I, I say I'm fascinated with how people think. And uh, I love being on Facebook and reading people's comments. And um, I, I, just, I just find it interesting. And there was a comment. There was, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Greg Laurie, he's an amazing guy out at Riverside. He does the Harvest Crusade. And, and, you know, thousands of people come to Christ. Well, they took a picture of him with the Bible like this, and they put it up at the mall. And people were upset. And they're like, you know, that offends me. And, and so there was a comment on one of his Facebook posts. And somebody said this, and I'm just saying it because I don't want you to think this way, but somebody would say, how could I read the Bible and believe the Bible when the Bible condones enslavement of women? The, you know, the Bible condones, listen, just because the Bible records history doesn't mean that it condones the history. Does that make sense? Listen, Jacob's family, Jacob's father had multiple wives and concubines. Just because he did, listen, many of us can't handle one woman. And all the men said... Amen. Right. But just because they had multiple wives and concubines doesn't mean that that's what the Bible's telling you to do. Come on, people. And so just because it records history doesn't mean that it's condoning that history. Does that make sense to everybody? I just wanted that was I threw that in for free this morning. But Joseph has a dream and it's going to come true. But let me just tell you this. Joseph is going to see the fulfillment of his dream because he's going to win the battle of distraction. He's going to overcome temptation. He really is. And this is what I want to do. We're going to look at James chapter one, verse 13, because that's going to help us. If you have your Bible, turn over to James chapter one, verse 13. And let me tell you what we're going to do today. All right. I, I, I worked really hard to make this simple as I could for you to understand it. We're going to look in the New Testament about how James talks about sin and temptation. And I'm going to break that down for you. Watch. But I'm not only going to break it down for you. I'm going to compare it to Mrs. Potiphar and Joseph's life. Because I believe that Joseph is using what James is going to tell us to do. Does that make sense? Does that, are you already confused? So just follow along. Come on. I, that's my job. James chapter one, verse 13. James says this, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. Oh, God is tempting me. No, he's not. God is not tempting you. There is a tempter. There's an accuser. His name is I like saying it in Spanish, Satanás. <laughs> it just sounds like more demonic, Satanás. Right? That would scare the living hell out of us when we went to church as a little kid, right? And the preacher would say that, right? Satanás. Like, oh, mommy, cucuy, cucuy. <laughs> Verse 14. Some of you know what cucuy is. Some of you need an interpretation because I just spoke in tongues. Verse 14. <laughs> Verse I love when Jacob laughs over here because he's got like this belly. <laughs> so if you hit, that's not me, that's him. Uh, we love you, Jacob. I just shout out, shout out to, to you on the podcast. All right, guys, let's bring it back to the word of God. And verse 14 says, verse 14, but every man is tempted. Let's stop right there. It is not a sin to be tempted. What is a sin is what you do with the temptation. Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. Now, I say that because some of you freak out because you get tempted and you're like, oh my gosh, I already feel guilty. Listen, let me just tell you, 
It's what you do with the temptation, but temptation is not a, a sin. And so, but every man is tempted. And when he is tempted, watch this, he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, somebody say conceived. conceived. When lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you four ways that you can win the battle of distraction and overcome temptation. Are you ready? Here we go. Verse 14 says this in James. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. Now, the word lust actually means desires. It actually means cravings. It, means, it actually means it's a strong emotion. Now, I've grown up learning that all lust is bad. All lust is not bad. Not all desires are wrong. The Bible says that if we'll delight ourselves in him, he'll give us the desires of our heart. So not all lust is wrong. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, I have a strong desire for my wife. We'll take it up later. I have a strong craving for my wife, right? That's, that's right. You're supposed to say amen. I have a strong emotion and not all lust is bad. Look, Galatians chapter five, verse 17 says this for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. So watch the lust, the desires of the flesh. They're always contrary to the spirit, but the spirit has a desire, a strong emotion. And that spirit, the, the spirit's desire is contrary to the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so here's what James is saying. James is saying every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire. My church family, what is a desire? A desire, listen, is an emotion, is an emotion. So here's what I want to do. Here's the first one. If we're going to win the battle of distraction and overcome temptation, here's number one. You have to realize the right emotions lead to the right behavior. But the opposite is true. The wrong emotions lead to the wrong behavior. Now, here's what I'm doing in James. And I want you to understand this. I am giving you point one, two, three, and four, but it's actually backwards. I'm going to move backwards. You'll get it. And you'll understand it because I'm going to explain it. It, totally. How do you believe I can do it? Come on. You can do it, Pastor Phil. So James is saying the right emotions lead to the right behavior. And so the wrong emotions lead to the wrong behavior. Watch. Desire is an emotion. So James is saying this. Watch this. Sin is conceived in my desires. Sin is conceived in my emotions. The ultimate goal of temptation is that you sin, that you miss the mark, that you get off of your destiny. That's the ultimate goal of temptation. So let me say it this way. So if my emotions are producing my actions, right? Because the right emotions lead to the right behavior. The wrong emotions lead to the wrong behavior. So if my emotions are producing my actions, then I have to ask this question. How did my emotions get to the place where it's producing behavior that doesn't please God? How did I get to my emotions? See, I really believe most Christians don't want to commit the act of sin. 
I really believe that, right? If I were to say, would you commit adultery? Most people say, no, I wouldn't, right? I, I don't want to commit the act, right? I really believe they don't want to commit the birthing of this action. But here's the reality. If you don't want to commit the action, the question becomes, are you willing to take the responsibility of dealing with the emotions that produce the sin? That produce the sin. See, because if you're going to overcome sin, you're going to have to deal with your emotions. You're going to have to deal with your emotions. Did you know that depression is an emotion? Depression is an emotion. See, most people don't want to feel responsible for controlling their emotions because they think, well, my emotions are just reactionary. This is how most people live. Oh, Pastor Phil, if things are good, I feel good, right? If things are bad, I feel bad. Yet God in his word specifically tells us we are responsible for our emotions. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. I love that. That's passionate to me. All your heart, all your soul, mind, will, and emotions. Do you know that my emotions are supposed to bring glory to God? I'm supposed to love him with all of my heart, with my soul, and with all of my mind and all your strength. There's other scriptures that say, guard your heart. That's controlling my emotions. You know, there's also another scripture that says, let not your heart be troubled. That is a decision that you make. And so God is asking us and telling us we are responsible for our emotions. And he even tells us in Philippians chapter four, verse four, he says this, rejoice. Everybody say that with me. Say rejoice. Come on, say it like you're happy. Rejoice. Come on, say it like you're at Disneyland. Come on. Rejoice. Ooh, Disney got higher than Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoicing is always a choice. It's always a choice. And Pastor Phil, when am I supposed to rejoice? Well, it tells you here, always. I'm always supposed to be rejoicing in what? The circumstances, in what people did to me, where I am in life? No, I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord. It's in him, right? And the Bible says, if you, if you didn't get it, he says it again. And again, I say rejoice, rejoice. So Watch this. What is causing Mrs. Potiphar's emotions to go crazy, right? We, we need to understand because she's, she's got emotions and she's, she's having, it's going to cause her to actually go and take his garment. So Pastor Phil, what is causing emotions? Well, you could say, well, if somebody dies, you know, uh, maybe if somebody rejects me, you know, actually none of that is really true because I could put 10 people on this front row and expose them all to the same things and all of them can have different emotions. In the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, Moses sent 12 spies into the land and 10 came back negative, two came back, let's, let's go kick some butt. Let's go get these giants, let's go, let's, and, and they're like Joshua and Caleb, let's go now. Two have positive emotions, 10 are depressed and say we're like little grasshoppers in their sight. So circumstances don't always automatically, listen, don't automatically determine certain emotions. What causes your emotions is how you think about things. So if you're going to overcome the battle of distraction, here's number two, it's the right thoughts that lead to the right emotions and the wrong thoughts lead to the wrong emotions. 
how you think is determining how you feel. Well, I just feel. I just feel. Listen, if you manage your mind, you'll manage your emotions. If you think wrong thoughts, you'll feel wrong. And you know what? Here's why we're tempted. We're being tempted because of what we fix our mind on. See, if you don't go there with your mind, you'll never go there with your emotions. Let me say that again. If you don't go there with your mind, you won't go there with your emotions or your actions. This is what I love about the Bible. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know I've never had a craving or a hunger or an addiction to food that I've never tasted? There's things in life, you know, we grew up Hispanic and there's this food that we eat. It's called menudo, right? It's an acquired taste. It's just weirdly, awkwardly good. I don't know how else to just describe it. My dad used to make it. It stunk up our, we lived in a trailer. It sunk up. The, I mean, you could pull up driving to our trailer, like a block away, roll down the windows and you could smell dad's making menudo. I mean, it smelled horrible, but we eat it and we, we love it. And I crave it. But you know, there are things, and some of you have never tried it. Well, you're never going to crave it. Why? Because you've never tasted it. You've never thought about it. And so we're tempted because of what we fix our mind on. Now watch this. Mrs. Potiphar had her thoughts fixed on the wrong person. Joseph, right? And she was singing Whitney Houston. I get so emotional, baby, every time I think of you. And it's shocking what love will do. How did I get emotional? Thinking of you. Because my thoughts went there, so my emotions went there. And so what happens is, is her thoughts are fixed on, fixed on Joseph. Her thoughts should have been fixed on Mr. Potiphar. Her thoughts should have been fixed on God. And here's the contrast. Joseph didn't have his mind and his thoughts on Mrs. Potiphar, desperate housewife. He had his thoughts fixed on God. And because his thoughts were fixed on God, how do you know his thoughts were fixed on God? Because of what he said to her. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I know you're prancing around the house, right? And you're snuggy. I know you're doing that, but I am not thinking about that. I am thinking about God, right? So my emotions aren't going there because my thoughts are not going there. Because the right thoughts will lead you to the right emotions. Joseph didn't sin because his mind wasn't focused on something else. It was focused on God. He didn't have the same emotions as Mrs. Potiphar because Mrs. Potiphar wasn't on his mind. Wasn't on his mind. Do you know Isaiah chapter 26, verse three says this, you talking about God will keep in perfect peace whose what, what is that word? whose mind is set on 
him, right? Whose mind has stayed on you, the Bible says. You will keep in perfect peace those whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts you. Pastor Phil, I don't have peace. So if you're not in perfect peace, it's because your mind is not set on him. Let me say that again. If you don't have perfect peace, because he's the prince of peace, prince of peace, and uh, peace is a fruit of the spirit. We went through all of those things. But you know what? Here's the reality. If you don't sense that peace, you need to look at what you're thinking about. What are you thinking about? Because if your mind is stayed and fixed on him, guess what? Here come the emotions because the right thoughts lead to the right emotions and the wrong thoughts lead to the wrong emotion. I just feel bad all the time. It's because you have bad thinking. You have bad thinking. But you know what? If you'll change the way you think, you'll change the way you feel. You know, Romans chapter eight, verse six says this for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many want to live in the life and the peace? Well, guess what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to have a transformation in your mind. See, here's what people want to do. They want the life and peace, but they want to think negative thoughts. You can't think negative thoughts and live a positive life. You cannot think negative thoughts and have happy emotions. It doesn't work that way. And I'm just encouraging you today that no matter what you're going through, stop focus on what you're going through and focus on what you're going to focus on the word of God, focus on who God is. So here's the other question, Pastor Phil, how do these thoughts get in my mind, right? They get in your mind through what you see and what you hear. So if you're going to overcome the battle of distraction, number three, we need to filter, listen, filter your eye and your ear gate. Watch this. The Bible says that Mrs. Potiphar cast longing eyes on Joseph, right? Right? Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Now, I don't know what longing eyes means. If she had, come on, some fake eyelashes. Have you seen those? I mean, they're like this long and they, whoo, whoo, whoo. They're like garage door openers, like, you know? I don't know what longing eyes, but I'm going to take a guess here. Longing eyes meant she keep looking and she kept looking. She wasn't guarding her eye gate. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Joseph was not an ugly man. The Bible says that he was a handsome man and well built. Come on. You didn't even know that they had CrossFit back then? 24 hour fitness has actually been around forever. He was handsome and he was well built. But I'm going to tell you this. I want you to listen to this. The favor of God will always make you attractive. Always make you attractive. I was like 20 something years old, right? And in our youth ministry, it was so funny. I was 20, like 25, I don't know. And I'd have little seventh graders. They would take pictures of me and put it on their locker right? I'm serious. And they would come up to me and their friends are like, you know, my little friend, uh, Bianca, uh, she has a crush on you. A crush on me. Listen, I could be like your granddad, like 25, 26 years old, but I knew what they were talking about. They were sensing the love and the favor of God. And so they interpret that as boom, attraction. Now, Joseph was a handsome man and he was well built, but you know what? She couldn't filter her eye. She had longing eyes that kept looking at him and kept looking at him. 
Now, how many of you realize once you got married that God did not take all the attractive people out of the world? God does not expect us, listen, because I know religion tells us you have to walk around like this, like a horse, right? With the shades on it. I can't see you. And oh, you're attracted. Oh, 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 right? And we live in this like little bubble. No, listen, there's a lot of attractive people in the world, but this is a longing look, a continued look. Come on, you know, you know the look. The longing look. Yesterday we were at, at, at Chipotle, and this seems to be a tenure in our lives. I don't know why. And I guess it's volleyball season in the high schools. But we were just minding our own business, eating my Chipotle. My wife just there, so beautiful, and I'm lusting. <laughs> and after her and my son sitting there on, on the phone, right? And all of a sudden here comes this volleyball player walking. I don't know, she must have been, what, 17 years old, right? And somebody must have painted those shorts on her because literally we saw cheeks, not these cheeks. They were so, and my wife, and she's like, what are we supposed to do? Like, I don't know. I just, just look at Can you, I can't believe that. And right, we just, I feel violated. How about you? I'm violated. I feel violated. But I'm just telling you, you don't have to go to a bar. Right, right there. We had to filter our eye gain. Right? Because what you see determines what you think. And what you think determines what you feel. And in your emotions, sin can be conceived. So we don't want the action of sin but are we willing to be responsible for what we're looking at and what we're hearing? I think it's funny because the Bible actually details that Mrs. Potiphar kept talking to Joseph and, and, and the Bible says Joseph didn't listen to her anymore. I'll tell you what, man, women get mad when you don't listen to them. But you know what Joseph was doing? I, he was protecting what he was listening to. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to listen to it. I was talking uh, to a friend this week, and he was saying to me, he's like, you know, man, just there's something that's really changed my life. He's like, I stopped listening to gangster rap. I was like, well, you're in a gang? He's like, no, no, I'm just listening to gangster rap. Also, you're a poser. No, I'm kidding. So I'm listening to gang. He said, I don't listen to gangster rap. I'm listening to worship. And he says, you know, my life has changed. You know what has changed? What he's putting in his ear is causing him to think different. That's causing him to feel different. That's causing him to act different. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, fear comes by hearing and hearing by hearing but the devil says you gotta say i'm not listening to that anymore can i ask you my church family who are you looking at what are you looking at are you looking at your past oh i've never amounted everything nobody in my family ever did anything you know this and that if you're looking at your past you're going to think about your past you're going to feel like you're never moving forward you're going to feel like you're stuck and guess what you're going to start to act 
like you think about yourself. And the truth is you are not your past. You are who God says you are. And we need to hear that so we can think that so we can act that way. You are not rejected. You are accepted by God, right? You are accepted in the beloved. We need to hear that so we can think that so we can walk around confidently, not pridefully, not arrogantly, but confidently in the love of God. Cause you can't love somebody else unless you know how much you are loved. You can't encourage anybody else until you know how much God has encouraged you. But what are you looking at? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the friends who are telling you you're stupid? Are you listening? Some of us, it was our parents that said negative things about us. But today, can I just break every negative word? that was spoken over you in Jesus' name and say his word will prevail in our life. I need to listen to it. It's powerful. It's alive. I got to protect my ear gate. She kept looking. She kept looking. I want to tell you, that's the devil's strategy. You know what the devil told Jesus? In the wilderness, he got him up on the hill and he said, I want you to watch this. I want Jesus look at all the kingdoms. Look, look at all the kingdoms. Do you know the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 39, verse three, I think we have it on the screen. Watch this. Here's the fall of mankind with Eve in Genesis 39, three. And when the woman, what? Saw. saw that the tree was good. It wasn't an ugly tree. When she saw that the tree was good, good for food and that it was what? pleasant to the eyes. Ooh, then what happened? A tree to be desire. So what is desire? Emotion. Here we see it. Saw it. Think about it. Pleasant. Now I'm starting to my emotions. Ooh, I desire that. Where did it all start? By she kept looking and kept looking. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 22, Jesus said that the lamp of the body is the eye, the eye. And it, therefore, if the eye is good, your whole body is full of light. And if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If there, therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So watch this, watch. Here's the progression. So Mrs. Potiphar she looked, longing looked, right? And so she was looking where she shouldn't be looking. And she began to think thoughts that she shouldn't begin to thinking that she, then that led to emotions that she shouldn't be feeling that conceived actions that she shouldn't be doing. Joseph contrast, Joseph kept his eyes on God. The Bible says Joseph didn't listen to her. Joseph kept his eyes on God. That helped him fix his thoughts on the presence of God, which led to the emotions of making a decision. I'm out of here. And the Bible says he ran. You know, the Bible says flee youthful lust, flee. There's some things in the Bible you're not supposed to pray about. Oh, Jesus, help me. No, you're supposed to run. But what caused him to run? He had a God consciousness. He was looking at the presence of God, looking at the presence of God. In my church family, I want to remind you, not all desire is wrong. This is actually the progression that God gives us to inspire us. 
Here's what he does. He gives you a big dream. What is that? So you can look at it. He gives you a vision of your business thriving. Come on. He gives you a, a, a vision of you ministering to people, touching people's life. He, he sees that. Why? So you can look at it. Why? So you can think about it. And when you think about it, what happens? It starts to motivate your emotions to do something. I'm going after that dream. That's why God shows you the dream in the first place. He wants you to see it because what you look at has the ability to inspire you. That's why if you're sick and you keep this is what we do. We get a diagnosis, right? And so we go on Google. Print it out, take it to work. Hey, so how'd the doctors go? I got What are we doing? We look and we look, so we start to think, we start to feel. Why don't we get that intent about the word of God? When I get a diagnosis, I start to look at the word of God and what he says, because here's what happens. If you'll start to look at the word of God, you'll start to think the thoughts of God. It'll affect your emotions, affect your body, and you'll act different. You'll act different. So if you're going to overcome the battle of distraction, you've got to filter your eye gate and your ear gate. Is this good this morning? Here's the last one for today. This one's huge. If we're going to overcome temptation, number four, we need to know that knowing your true identity is the key to victory. Is the key to victory. If you haven't heard anything that I said, I want you to please look at me because I want to show you something in the word of God that I believe can really change your life. Write this down. Every temptation, every temptation is an attempt to attack your true identity. That listen, the devil, he's, he hasn't come up with any new tricks. If you can realize this, you can beat it because there's nothing new under the sun. He did it to Adam and Eve. Watch the devil told Adam and Eve. If you eat the fruit, you will be like God. There's a problem. They were already made in the image of God. You are already made in the image of God. Watch this. My church family. If you understand what your identity is, I am a child of God. I made in his image. That's why the devil hates you. Cause when he looks at you, he sees the very image of God. That's why this is important. This is important that not only that you act like, so here's what happens. So when I speak God's word, guess what I'm doing? I'm talking like God. So I have, the, I'm made in his image and then I speak the word. So I'm speaking like God. And when I act on his word, I am acting like God. The devil hates that. You know why? Cause the devil is is defeated. So here's what he's going to attempt to do. He's going to attempt to attack your identity, right? Listen to this. The devil did the same with Jesus. If you are the son of God, prove it. Turn these rocks into bread. If you are the son of God, The real temptation was Satan's attempt to get Jesus to doubt who he was. 
And I just love what Jesus did. Jesus didn't succumb to an identity crisis, even though he was in the middle of the wilderness and hungry. Listen, the first Adam sinned because he didn't know who he really was, but the second Adam or the last Adam, Jesus, didn't sin because he did know who he was. And Jesus stood up to the devil and he said, you will worship the Lord your God and him only. I don't have an identity crisis. I am the Christ. That's what Jesus said. And I just find that this is so amazing because knowing your true identity in Christ is one of the greatest defenses you can possibly have against temptation. Now watch this as I close. I love Joseph. He's so inspiring to me and he's so unlike other people. Do you know we went through Joseph suffered. Can we all all agree that Joseph suffered. He was thrown in a pit. My church family, he suffered false allegations. They actually told his dad that he was dead. They hated on him and human man. He was a part of human trafficking. They sold him. But I want you to listen to this. You, Joseph, you never hear him complain or identify himself as a victim. Never. You never hear that come out of his mouth. Now watch this. Are you ready? Potiphar's wife, Miss Potiphar, comes to seduce him. Joseph could have, and maybe we'll agree on this, Joseph could have, right? He could have said, oh, Mrs. Potiphar, I've been hurt. Oh, I've just, I've been abused. Man, I've been hated on. Watch this. But Joseph didn't use the injustices that were done to him as an excuse to justify his sin. Actually, Joseph knew exactly who he was and he stood up and he tells Mrs. Potiphar, listen, I love this. He says, there is no one greater in this house than I. Beside your husband, he's put me in charge of everything. Ladies and gentlemen, that does not sound like a guy with an identity crisis. That sounds like a guy who knows who he is, knows who has the favor of God. He knows what God is doing in his life. And sometimes we succumb to temptation because we just feel like entitled to it. I've just been so hurt. You know, the number one, one of the number one reasons that men fall is because of entitlement. They feel like we deserve it. I deserve it. I just work so hard. So, you know, it's okay if I commit adultery. No, it's not. Listen, and many people live their lives because they've been abused. Watch this, right? They think, they think in their mind, I'm a victim. So they feel like a victim and they begin to act like a victim. But Joseph had a different mentality. He kept his mind focused on God. He knew what he was doing. He knew that he walked in the favor of God and he stood up against temptation. Let me close with this. See, if the enemy can cause you to doubt who you are, then you'll doubt what you can do. And the truth is, you have the power to overcome temptation. Just like Jesus. Listen, you are a child of God. You don't have to commit adultery to feel accepted and loved. You're already accepted and loved. 
You don't have to steal to be provided for. You are already provided for because you are a child of God. You are who he says you are. When we lose sight of that, we succumb to temptation. And I came today to build you up, to tell you that you can win the battle of distraction and you can overcome temptation in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.